and fear. During Jesus' ministry, he healed a centurion's servant. At first, Jesus responded to the centurion's request because Jewish elders pleaded on his behalf. They argued for his goodness to Israel as a Gentile and as a highly regarded leader in the Roman military. They thought he was deserving of Jesus' miraculous work in his life. This feels familiar, somehow. Often, we feel because of long, faithful service to the Lord, we deserve his gifts, blessing, and answer to prayer. And again, like the prodigal son's brother, who was upset because his father had never seemed to give him as much as he thought he deserved for unwavering, hard-working service, at times, we go to God with the wrong strain of entitlement. Still, Jesus went with the Jewish elders to fulfill this man's request. But what happened? On the way, the centurion sent a message that Jesus didn't have to come directly. Interestingly this time, the centurion didn't send more Jewish representatives. He sent friends, people who truly knew him. Surely his friends also respected him and knew of all his good works. Surely they too thought he was deserving. I wonder whether this second message was not his original intent or even instruction, but we don't have this information. All we know is that he didn't view himself as worthy of Jesus coming under his roof. This, along with his understanding of true authority, impressed Jesus. So far, some things we learn from this account are that Jesus responds to requests even when they come imperfectly, imperfectly, though emphatically, and then especially when they come with self-awareness of our unworthiness and powerlessness. The centurion didn't view his unworthiness as disqualifying, and that's huge for us in today's society that puts such a value on earning respect and being qualified. We also learn that Jesus responds when people who don't know us intimately go to him on our behalf, and perhaps more so when those closest to us represent our true faith and needs. We learn that there are levels of faith, Faith that we are each given a measure of, I believe, and faith that we grow into and exercise with increasing confidence because of life experience. What interests me the most, though, is what understanding of authority has to do with faith. Why was Jesus so impressed with him to say, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel? Is it as simple as understanding who is in charge and earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, faith? None of us is a centurion, but there are ways to wrap our minds around this, I think. There are relationships in our lives that help us to understand what it means to be obeyed, sometimes without question but to understand the surety of an outcome without a second thought. 
My first reference is being a mother. I know obedience is almost a bad word in some models of parenting these days, but I teach my children to listen and obey. It's a daily trial for them and for me. With certain things though, when I speak, I don't wait or look around for them to do as they're told. It's not meanness on my part. It's knowing that my will for them is good. And for them, it's trusting me as their biggest and at this stage in their eyes, their sole advocate. Many of you may be managers, leaders in various fields with various levels of power. But if you have any, and if you know how to lead well, when you give a directive, it is followed, despite a person's belief in their ability or any disagreement about your methods. Aren't these lessons in faith? If God is the authority of heaven and earth, if he says, go, come, do this, it is done. It's not so much about us as it is about God. We don't have to get right or measure up. There's nothing we can do to be worthy of the command of God on our behalf. The Lord is God. The centurion, by his life experience, had a necessary understanding of the fear of the Lord. What would the Lord not have done for him? Solomon gained this wisdom, and what didn't the Lord give him? The fear of the Lord is the heart of faith, and not just the faith for particular things to happen through prayer and supplication, but Christian faith. The fear of the Lord is the heart of the faith, our faith. So today, I'm asking the Lord to deepen our faith by helping us to see him as he is. Help us, Lord, to revere you appropriately. Change our minds and the posture of our hearts to be like the centurions. May we too understand the true order of things and submit to your authority in both our obedience and in our asking. Amen.